on our podcast channels and bam, I say it. I love that feeling when you put it out in the universe and it comes to fruitation. We have a jam-packed episode for you today. And speaking of episodes, before we get into all that, good morning. Well, actually, it's good afternoon. It might be good morning where you are, but good afternoon. It is a little after noon Eastern Standard Time. This is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Naughty Boss, Lady Canna, published author, author with two... This does. Hey, everyone. My name is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 4.0. And I'm thinking about upgrading to 5.0, but today is not about me. It's about our 200th episode, which we're going to chat about in a, in a moment, and our amazing guest today, Trisha Nelson. And we just informed Trisha that this was our 200th episode, and we weren't sure initially if we were going to let her in on it before we got on, but she's here with us today. And before we have our amazing chat with her, we have so much information to cover. I just want to say that it has been our, oh my God, I feel my, my eyes welling up a little bit. It has been our honor and pleasure that here we are just about um, a year later and we are on our 200th episode and we could not have done this without all of you and all of our guests that have been on our podcast. Trisha obviously gets the, um, the big surprise today um and we are so excited about that and what i want to say about this past year just remember that whatever you think you may want to do whatever you want to do and how you perceive that and how you reach that goal it can be done um carol so i'm going to turn it over to you for a second and then we're going to start our Awesome chat with our guest. Well, awesome. Well, first off, I just want to remind everyone I am not actually drinking champagne right now. Uh, in respect for my younger sister who started 75 Hard, uh, which we chat about all the time, right? So you cannot drink alcohol and it is noon, but yes, I know it's five o'clock summer. I still decided to do seltzer. So you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a toast, especially a momentous one as this one. You don't always need alcohol, guys. You can, you can use a seltzer or ginger ale water or your favorite juice. So we want to stress on that because you know what? People in recovery have enough hard time with that. So we always we always embrace everyone that's in recovery. And uh, cheers, Jan, to, to you for really having the foresight and kind of pushing the envelope and actually reminding us every, every like so often, like what are we, what, when are we going to do something together? When are we going to collaborate? And for those that don't know the... What happened last year was Janice was actually turning 58 years old. Well, I was born in the year 1958, and I was turning 62 years old. She was born in the, the year 1962. So the timing was 5862, which has always been our numbers. And I'll never forget the phone call where she, you know, she said, are you sitting down? And she just kind of, you know, was so enthusiastic, so excited. We've got to do something like this is the time. And for anyone that truly knows me, sure, why not? Let's do it. And here we are 200 episodes later, really showing any entrepreneur the importance of your goals, your vision, your dreams, your like, don't let them go to the boneyard. Don't let them go untouched. Un, unchartered because part of sharing health and wellness with obviously talking about a healthy gut, healthy mindset, healthy lifestyles, healthy 
partnership with money. Like there's a whole gamut of things that we, we chat about. But the bottom line is if you do it with passion, you do it being authentically you, you don't need the fancy equipment. If you've got a message, if you've got a vision, if you truly want to impact people and leave your legacy, don't leave those dreams to the to the boneyard because what's the worst that's going to happen? You screw up, you have a couple of flub ups, you got a cell phone that falls off. We've done it, but we still come back with more passion because we know that part of our legacy is impacting all of you with what we love to do and showing you that anyone can do this because you can. So cheers to 200 episodes. Cheers. cheers to Trish for being our 200th guest. Well, not 200th guest, but part of our 200th podcast. And here's to 200 more, right? Absolutely. And without further ado, I have the distinct honor and privilege of welcoming our guest today, Trisha Nelson. And I want to tell you a little bit about Trisha. She is the owner and CEO of her business called Heal Your Hunger. And we will make sure that her information gets tagged below this live video. Trisha, like many women, lost a lot of weight. She lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing, get this, the underlying causes of her emotional eating. So I want, and I have so much to, you know, we have so much information to cover. So welcome, Trisha. Thank you for being on our 200th episode today. And here we are, 200, our 200th episode. Thank you so much for being on today. Congratulations. I am so impressed. And I, you know, I just think it's awesome. I know what it's like because I have a podcast. So it's, it's really, it's a labor of love. And you guys are obviously pouring your heart out and touching so many women. So I'm really honored to be here on your 200th show. Thank well, you thank so much. You. Thank you so much. Um, I want to get back because there's always a story behind the story. You are where you are now because you overcame, persevered, and obviously had a goal-oriented mind of where you wanted to take your journey to. So I'd like to ask you, you know, with your journey of emotional eating, how did it lead you? We, we know that it did lead you to start Heal Your Hunger, but how, in your words, did it lead you to that? Yeah. Um, well, it, I kind of just stumbled and fell my way into it, you know, as, as is often the case. So I was an emotional eater long before I knew what those words meant, actually long before those words even existed in, you know, conjunction with each other. And um, I just knew that I was overweight and I hated it. I did my body and I was mad at myself and I said very mean things to myself on account of my binges and losing control time and time again. And I had this roll of fat on my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and, and thank God, if only I could just cut this off, it's fat after all, you know, and uh, thank God I didn't try that, but I, you know, I felt desperate, you know, I thought maybe I'll join the army and force me to go through boot camp because I hate to exercise. <laughs> So I was always thinking these crazy things because I would go on these diets, but I would, you know, I'd lose 10, but then I'd gain 20 or I'd lose 20 and gain 10. And I was on a roller coaster ride, you know, yo-yoer in my dieting life. And, you know, I had about five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I was going to be on account of that roller coaster ride. And 
Um, you know, the skinny jeans, I never let them go. I'm like, I've been there once. I know I can get there again, but it was a slog. It was such a slog. And so what I did is I did what everybody does. You go on diets. You know, I tried diets. I tried exercise programs, pills, potions, and lotions. Like it was really, you know, I was, I was constantly searching for that hidden key to weight loss, you know, sustainable weight loss. I could lose weight, but again, I always put it back on. So, you know, and I didn't just do physical stuff. I did psychological stuff, emotional stuff. I went to eating disorders therapy twice a week for a year. I went to Overeaters wow. Anonymous. I, I was like, you know, reading self-help books and doing all kinds of retreats and so many things. But nothing I tried worked for any sustainable length of time. And I felt so frustrated. And I remember that one day I was sitting on the couch. I just lost a bunch of weight, actually. So it wasn't like I was at the top weight. I'd actually lost a lot of weight. Looking good, feeling good, wearing the cute clothes. I was like shopping compulsively because all of a sudden I could fit his clothes. And you know, I was with a friend and I had brought out a bowl of red grapes, a somewhat innocuous food. And so I was sitting there with my friend. And by the time he left, I had eaten the whole damn bowl <laughs> of grapes. And while that doesn't seem so terrible, um, that was the big, I knew what was coming. Bottom line is I, I had been on this strict plan for nine months, which is how I lost the weight very strict, you know, weighing and measuring this kind of thing. But with those grapes, I just sat there and I thought, here we go again. Like I'm about to go right back up the scale and put the weight back on. In that moment, I thought I need a different plan. Like I can't do this for the rest of my life. And so that's, you know, very shortly thereafter, I was uh, introduced to somebody who mentored me um, on a path of looking deeper and dealing with the underlying causes of why I lost control of food time and time again. And that changed everything for me. My life has never, my life has never been the same since. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting when you, you know, because your story is so relatable to not only women, but men, when you kind of go on that roller coaster, you, you try the latest fad diets. And we frequently talk about, really understanding food as a whole and why so many people go into a fad diet and they forget the one principle from my perspective I, you know, we all diet diets eating and it really is just about making sure that you have those those you know major groups that you need for your food but also identifying geez i find i do find some success sometimes and why can't I sustain it? So I'm interested to see what was the, the pivotal moment where you said, aha, that's the reason why. And this is what I need to do. What was that? Yeah. So um, it was really the deeper dive. Okay. So, you know, food is this, you know, overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. And that's the part that I never dealt with. I never looked at that because it's not very fun to look at. Like the whole reason I was eating is because I don't want to know. Like I like let's let's stuff that stuff down. Like let's just make it about the inches. Let's make it about the calories and the scale. You know, that seems safer on an emotional level. So 
you know, but I, lo and behold, I was never going to get to where I wanted to be unless I took, you know, a trip into my emotional self. And the thing is, as scary as that seems, it's, it is the most beautiful, amazing journey ever because, and it's so funny because the, the system I used and that I, I, I honed and teach to others now and that I practice still, the system that helped me take that journey, that system has, my life, has made my life better in every way possible so that I'm happier than I would have been had I not even been an emotional eater in the first place. I'm convinced of it. So it's this amazing thing because it has nothing to do with food and weight. It's this inner journey of getting to know myself, love myself and care for myself. And that has had a ripple effect into every area of my life. And I have this amazing life now, you know, fast forward several decades, but I am like, I've never been happier. I've never been healthier. I've never had been, I've never sh like shined my light as, as bright as it is. And it just keeps getting better. So, but that's all on account of that terrible Dirk, you know, past of being an emotional eater, being a binge eater, you know, eating 3000 calories in a sitting, feeling desperate and hopeless and like uh, nobody can help me. Right. And then having it all turn around and then having, again, the cure be something that made my life amazing. So it's, it's a beautiful journey. And that's what I try to teach women to do, but it, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a graceful one. <laughs> like it's a rocky road. That is so true. And it kind of leads me to my next thought or question. There are behavior patterns that, for instance, you know, I had a weight loss journey and I was able to pick out behavior patterns, which really go back to an addictive type of personality. Not that I was addictive in nature, but my relationship with what was going on was more addictive. And that was very hard to get out of. And I was wondering if you could share with us your thoughts on addictive behavior and how that really ties into the emotional part of eating unhealthy. Absolutely. And I love that you asked that because that is really, you know, where I've had 30 plus years of research into the addictive personality. Cause I certainly have addictive personality. Like if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing has been my motto. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so, you know, and I was a food addict. I mean, I was absolutely addicted to food. The way I ate it was no question, you know, addictive. So, um, and it isn't for everybody, but it's, you know, and I actually, I, I, I have a quiz on my website that helps people see are they an emotional eater or a food addict, you know, and, or somewhere in between. So my experience with the addictive personality is, you know, we're all using something typically to get by in life. Like everybody's using something. It's either something healthy or it's something unhealthy, but life is hard. You know, emotions are hard to feel, uh, situations come up and we reach for something for comfort. And, you know, it can be something healthy, like meditation and prayer and, you know, our, our religious or spiritual beliefs, you know, friendship, fellowship, there's all these healthy ways. And there's the unhealthy one, which are, which are food and alcohol and drugs and TV and porn and shopping and, you know, these things, you know, some of these things aren't bad in moderation, but, um, but definitely, um, you know, when we are look, when we're not willing to feel and we just want to stuff, 
it's an endless quest. Like you have to keep stuffing. And that's why, like, for instance, alcoholics, when they stop drinking, they're smoking like, like, like a chimney, you know, or they're, they're eating, you know, they put on a bunch of weight. Um, Cause you, you know, if I talked about alcoholism, you know, early on, um, and that was one of my, that was one of my problems as well. Like I was a blackout drinker at 13. So I was, you know, I was very easily addicted to, I was addicted to sugar and alcohol is the most refined form of sugar. So I think that's where that physical reaction to alcohol came from. Um, but the point is, Anybody who has an addictive personality is, you know, looking for something to fill the void. You know, I had a God-shaped hole in my soul and I was filling it with these things on the outside that never could satisfy. And so that's where the addiction comes in is you have to keep doing it to get any level of comfort, you know? And so that's what had to be healed is that addictive personality. Not that I don't still have you know, I have to watch myself that I don't go overboard on something. Like I just took my first surfing lesson yesterday <laughs> in my life. And, and I'm, you know, before that, I'm like, I had no desire to surf, but I'm visiting with friends in Mexico and they, they're like, okay, you're going, like, you're taking surfing tomorrow because I surf. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm game. And so <clears throat> after I got out of the water and it wasn't an easy thing to do, this surfing thing, <laughs> but after I got out, I thought, I want to go do it again. Like that, that was fun. I'm like, oh, there you go. You know, if it's fun, it's, it, it, you know, I keep, want to keep doing it. That's a healthy addiction, by the way. But, um, but anyway, the point is when we have and we have inside stuff which we all do you know when we have inside stuff and we're not willing to face it in a healthy way we will stuff it in an unhealthy way yeah and that is so true because that really is a gamut of a, a wide range like you said it could be shopping it could be finances it could be alcohol drugs food uh shopping i mean how many people have that addiction of just buying stuff and then it goes to their closet and then they, then they then they become a hoarder and in, in the process of the whole whole piece because i bought this i must use it for something so it goes in the closet but it is so true and i think more people probably have those tendencies so do you have i know you said you have kind of like a quiz that would really if you were to say, uh, kind of broaden that a little bit saying like three things for our audience and listeners to think about to get their kind of the wheel motion going into the head to say, geez, I wonder if I have those tendencies. What would be something very obvious because you've already experienced that that would probably not be so obvious to the, to the person that is in that kind of addictive mode. What would be three things that you can share with our audience and listeners as key things that might, might mean that you're kind of heading in that path or already in it yeah so um i mean classic signs of addiction are like you uh you have to have more and more to get the same amount of hit okay so like for me i didn't come out of the shoot eating three thousand calories in a sitting in front of the tv like i worked myself what my work my way up to that but it did it got progressively worse so an addictive habit will get progressively worse um I have in that quiz that um, I talked about, you know, the, the way to determine where you are on the spectrum of emotional eating and, um, and really, and it goes for any addiction, I think, is two things. One is control and one is consequences. 
So for instance, on the low end of the spectrum, somebody who goes on a cruise or vacation, eats too much, drinks too much, you know, but hey, it's vacation time and comes home five pounds heavier and is like, ugh, like muffin top. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not liking how I feel. My jeans don't fit. I'm going to run an extra five miles this week and I'm going to cut out sugar. Okay. And boom, five pounds are off in a couple weeks. That's somebody with a good amount of control. So they're, they're kind of in a safer realm, you know, on that spectrum versus somebody who thinks about food 24 seven and, you know, has the obsession and can't stop thinking about it, owns them. Like they're with their family, but they're not because they're thinking what I'm going to eat when the kids go to bed, you know? So that kind of person who then when they eat, starts with a bowl of cereal, but they're like, oh, but I really need, you know, some ice cream. And, oh, I remember the cookies that are for my kid's soccer game. (laughs) I'm going to just dip into those, you know, and it goes on and on. And before you know it, they've eaten, you know, a lot of calories, feeling totally sick. And they go to bed, they pass out essentially, you know, and go to bed and they wake up with this terrible hangover, sugar hangover, carb hangover, and guilt and remorse. Like, what did I do? Like, what was I thinking? Right. And so that out of control feeling is somebody that's somebody who's more in the food addiction area, the binger, you know, the, somebody who just can't stop. And that was me, especially like I would binge and then I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to eat anything today. Like I'm going to make up for what I just ate. So I'm going to starve myself today. And I lasted till 12, you know, <laughs> or, right. or at a later. And then, and then I just did it again. So that's somebody who has very little control. So they're on the higher end of the spectrum. Then you have consequences. You know, the first person I talked about five pounds, not huge consequences, especially when you can just take it off versus somebody who has been struggling for decades, you know, like me up 20, down 10, up 30, you know, down 10, like 10 or five up 50, you know, the pandemic, you know, doing great until the pandemic hits. And then it's like, all bets are off. And I've had women tell me they, they gained 50 pounds in the pandemic. You know, they just, it, they just lost it. And the consequences mount, the older you are, the more you, you know, you keep on this roller coaster ride, the gaining and losing and the sugar and the carbs and the lack of exercise. I mean, that is a beating on your body. And we we're looking at heart disease. We're looking at diabetes, autoimmunity, cancer, you know, anxiety, depression. So that's a lot of consequences, not to mention not wanting to have sex with your husband, you know, or, or wife, because you feel gross and, and you don't want to be seen, you know, not having this, the, the hygiene that you want to have. Cause sometimes after a binge, like me, I didn't want to shower. Like I didn't want to feel my, I didn't want to touch my body because I'd gained weight and it just was, I don't want to be reminded. I didn't want to see myself right. from my neck down. So there's a lot of consequences to this condition that, that people don't think about. Uh, that's where we are on the higher end of that spectrum. So right. it's really, it's really the lack of control. It's the mounting consequences. You know, it's the secrecy. It's the relationships being damaged, you know, you know, mom, you know, mom's never here because she's depressed and she's in bed, you know, she's in bed with the covers over her head, or she never goes and plays with us because she can't move or she's got too much weight on her body. She can't get down on the ground. Or I have, I have grandma, you know, clients who are grandmothers and they're like, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get on the ground with my, my grandkids. I couldn't crawl around with my grandkids. 
because of my weight. So there's so many consequences, but that's where we really, you know, it's in, it's a, it's in a bad place. You know, it's on the high end of that spectrum. It's so true. And what would be uh, uh, kind of a follow-up where you have that client or one of our listeners or one of our audience saying, you know, the wheels are turning. I'm thinking about, geez, do I kind of fall in that category? Gee, I find myself maybe not necessarily to that extreme, but all of a sudden the guilt piece comes to it. Because I think the guilt piece is huge and is actually kind of the warning sign. For me, uh, when I when I chat with other people and customers and clients and, and look within myself, when you start feeling guilty about it, something, that's usually hindsight to say, hey, you're, you're, you are feeling bad about it. There's something more to it. What we, do you Absolutely. Just kind of just part of the process. Well, my experience is that overeaters are overthinkers. And so we think a lot about what's going on with, we, of course, we overthink about food, but we also beat the crap out of ourselves. You know, we are constantly railing on ourselves. Why did you do that? You're so lazy. Get it together. What's wrong with you? Why can't you be normal? You know, what's, you know, Betty Lou can eat a brownie and stop. Why can't you, you know, so I think that part of it, you know, and, and the self-recrimination after overeating, after an overindulging, I mean, it's vicious. It is absolutely vicious. Like I would never have treated my, you know, the person I couldn't stand the most. I didn't like to think I had enemies, but never would I have talked to anybody, anybody the way I talked to myself. So mean. And that's my experience with emotional eaters. And the, the other thing that brings to mind for me, as you're chatting about that is for those people to get where they are, they've obviously been through several diets, myself included. And I have a question and, and I think you, you're really the one to answer this. I know what my story is obviously, but in your opinion, why do you think that 98% of diets fail? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think it's exactly because of emotional eating. I think that we're so busy looking at calories and looking at ketones and intermittent fasting and, you know, exercise and, and strength training and all these things, which there's nothing wrong with those things, but they're all dealing with the symptom of weight, you know, versus the real problem, which is how did I get to this weight in the first place? Why did I lose control? Why did I bury everything with food. Like why was food my solution? And I think that's why 98% of all diets fail. People go all about the physical and they neglect the emotional. And my experience is when I lost weight, I mean, that's when I hit bottom is after I'd lost 40 pounds because I was like, this is it. I got it, you know, and I'm looking great. But then in the high of losing weight, I mean, it, it in and of itself is a fix, you know? So it felt so good to lose weight and filled me for a time but then I was empty because people stop commenting they stop complimenting you you can only buy so many clothes you know before it just pales and then you're left with yourself and that's what happened to me is I was just like I started to get depressed because what happened was I had covered so many emotions, so many, you know, childhood experiences, so much anger, resentment, fear. I had buried that stuff. I put a big old blanket on it with sugar and carbs 
And then I stopped eating sugar and carbs, lost weight, but I did like, I had no solution for all that stuff I buried and it started coming up. And here I am depressed, not knowing why. And I mean, if I'd gone to a doctor, doctor would have given me medication, you know, mm-hmm. here, take this. And then I would have put a blanket back down on it and nothing would have been solved. Like I had a lifetime of garbage I had buried that was rotting my soul, you know, and, and not to be dramatic. I mean, I, and that's so true because I think that's so relatable. That's so relatable to so many of our viewers, our audience, because sometimes it's something dramatic that happens in your life could be uh, your upbringing, could be something that, you know, happened that like you kind of shoved it under the carpet and all of a sudden for whatever reason, something sparked it to be renewed and it's always an underlining issue. And, you know, I think with any addiction, while we have to be mindful of how we want to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for success, health, wellness, all of that, uh, we also, we don't we're not born an addict per se, you know, you're not, you're not born um, that you're going to be an overeater. You're not born that you're going to be an alcoholic per se. You're not, it's addiction. While it may, some of those genes may be within you, depending on your heritage and where you come from, of course, that also has uh, an input in that. But the point being is that we all can come out of it once we get the help that we need and recognize it. And I think there's too much shaming going on to ask for help. Uh, You know, I think that's one of the things that really was brought to the forefront with this the last 12 months is, you know, we talked about those categories that were really the categories that were a high risk for the virus, but there's categories of people that may not necessarily have been high risk for the virus, but they were high risk because of the virus and what it limited them to do with maybe going to group therapy, maybe uh, seeing that doctor, that nutritionist, but also asking for help. I think asking for help is truly the first step in any addiction. And I think we're a society that we, we we have to do our part to make sure that people feel comfortable and say, hey, I need help, please help me. And, I, and, and stop the shaming and stop, you know, uh, the, the, the nastiness that goes on with social media and say, you know what, people have, the person behind that keyboard has feelings and why not be a part of the solution and not be a part of the problem? Yeah, no, it's so true. And I find that especially true. I mean, for any addiction, but especially for emotional eaters, because they, you know, they keep telling themselves, I should be able to handle this. Like I should, we're always shitting on ourselves, you know, like I should be able to handle this. I should be able to stop. It's only food for goodness sakes. It's not like heroin or alcohol. It's food. Like what, what's wrong with me? But I always tell people, you know, we don't think twice about hiring a trainer. Like we admit we can't work out with intensity without a trainer's help. Some people can, I cannot, <laughs> but, but I, you know, if I really want to get in shape, I need to hire somebody. I just do because first of all, I don't know how to work out without hurting my body. It's not my skill set, you know, and I'm not going to push myself unless I have somebody standing over there over, over me saying, do this, you know, or a class, you know, I, I have gone before the pandemic, I went to a bar method class that I loved because I'm there in the class 
And I'm like, I, I would bolt in a second. In fact, I did once, it, once the pandemic started and they were offering these classes online, I didn't go because I'm at home and I'm like, after 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> I wanted to quit, you know? And so I, that, think that, I do think that's a key piece with, you know, what we find with so many people, not only had to pivot their business, people had to pivot their health and wellness where they were used to going to the gym, going to that kickbox and all of a sudden, you know, that's taken away from you. And let's be real. It's real easy to take your, your mouse and hit leave meeting. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great yeah. tool and it did serve its purpose. So I'm not knocking Zoom, I'm not knocking that. Sure, you pivot that for some, I think the uh, addiction personality, the person that suffers from depression, the person that suffers from you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, that those categories need the in person context so desperately to be held accountable, but also it's just the nature of with the endorphins and the non-endorphins and, and just needing that emotional support versus someone that, you know, hey, you know what, I'm doing my, my meeting online and it's good. But for some, it just wasn't cutting, it wasn't cutting it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, when you're dealing with addictions, you know, the problem with addictions is they center in our mind. It's not about the substance. Like it's, you know, my head will talk smack to me all day long and, if I don't get some outside influence, it's going to win. And it's going to, it's going to talk to me in my own voice, tell me a bunch of baloney and I'm going to believe it, you know, and that's my point back to the trainer example, you know, with emotional eaters, I mean, we're so embarrassed. We, we, we don't want to admit we can't handle donuts. You know, it seems so silly, embarrassing. And so we try to do it on our own and we knock our head against the wall time and time again, decade after decade, thinking I should be able to do this. And I mean, the, the salvation came for me when I admitted I couldn't do it on my own. And it's true with right. any addiction, right? And, and reached out for help and said, I don't know how, if I know how to do this, I would have done it. You know, right. if I could do it on my own, I certainly would have. I gave it a really good try. You know, so there's no shame in getting help. And, and again, we do it for a trainer when we want to get buff. Like, it's like, hey, here's my money. Train me, push me, you know, kick my butt. But when it comes to something that we feel secretive or ashamed about because of our, you know, inability to control ourselves, um, we've got all this judgment and then we stay in isolation. And isolation is the very thing that will, will perpetuate addiction. Oh, for sure. I agree. Do you agree, Jan? I mean, that's like on point. Oh, absolutely. And I know that, you know, also being a health coach, I've also dealt with clients that have had the weight loss surgery. And I wanted to touch upon that a little bit because of your expertise. Many people know that I am not a big fan of weight loss surgery. I, I just am not for many reasons. While I do feel it serves its purpose for somebody who medically needs to have that done, probably about 50% of the clients that I've coached that have had the weight loss surgery are back to where they were and then some. So I would like for you to share if you would be able, you know, obviously to comment yeah. on that for sure, is what are your feelings about the weight loss surgery? Well, I mean, I have plenty of people come to me who have gained the weight back after having surgery, which is typical, you know, most, most people have the surgery do gain weight back. 
if you know, if not all of it, definitely a good portion of it, which to me is so tragic, right? We've just literally, re, you know, gotten our our plumbing re rewired, you know, or, or reoriented, and it hasn't solved the problem. And but it goes back to that: why did diets fail? It's it's a it's a physical solution to a much deeper and emotional, you know, psychological, mental, spiritual problem. You know, I I mean honestly, I ate beyond the size of my stomach all the time. So make my stomach smaller. Fine. I'm still going to find ways to medicate. And speaking of alcoholism, there's a high number of people who have had weight loss surgery who become alcoholics because they still have the mental, spiritual, you know, issue that has not been addressed at all by shrinking the size of their stomach or replumbing, you know, their bodies they still have that need for an anesthetic. I want to talk to you about the three <clears throat> primary emotions that drive addiction. Okay. Cause I think this will be helpful. And back to your point, you know, your question, Janice, <clears throat> see, in my experience, again, 30 plus years of research in the addictive personality, the three reasons we use any addiction and certainly applied for me with food um, I, I call it the PEP test. Okay, so people can remember this. <clears throat> the P, first P stands for painkiller. So we use these addictions as painkillers for emotional pain. Okay, mm. because what kind of pain? Any kind of pain. You know, a job that's not a fit for us, a relationship that should have ended five years ago, you know, childhood trauma you name it. There's a lot of pain to go around in this world. Uh, you know, so painkiller, it works well. That's why we binge on sugar and starch and fat versus lettuce, <laughs> you know, vegetables, uh, right? Cause veggies aren't going to kill the pain. No. So, right. So, um, not, so we never heard of a carrot. like <clears throat> it No, no, no. So, um, so painkiller, then this, the E and pep is escape. We use food as an escape. That's why so many people who never would have called themselves emotional eaters are calling me up during the pandemic. And they're like, oh my God, I am an emotional eater. Like I can't stop eating. Before that, they had lots of control, but the pandemic was so scary in such an altered reality and a scary reality. You could walk out your door and die. You kidding me? People just wanted to check out. They didn't know they didn't any frame of reference. They, and everybody put on weight practically in the pandemic because it was scary and they wanted to check out. So escape from fear and worry is mm. a big, big driver of, of overeating and other addic addictive habits. <clears throat> in the last P in the PEP test is uh, punishment which is counterintuitive because we think of food and, you know, our goodies or drinks, whatever, as, as a reward at the end of a hard day, you know, end of the long work week. But if you're somebody who goes overboard, like I was, where I just, I couldn't stop. I ate the chips, but then I ate the ice cream, you know, I had to have my sweet my, with my salty. And then I had to have some more and I didn't stop, you know, four bowls of cereal later you know, and feeling disgusting, that's not a reward. I just basically beat the crap out of myself by binging. And why did I do that? And it's really because of deep-seated guilt, because my experience is over eaters or over feelers, and we feel guilty about everything. 
So, you know, and we beat the crap out of ourselves, like I said, anytime we mess up. So food becomes this incredible punishment when the way I use it, if I had the ability to moderate and eat one cookie and be done, I would not be singing that song. But having been somebody who really hurt her body with food, like ate self-abusively, it begs the question, why did I do that? And it's because of guilt. So back to your question, Janice, if you just take away food, either by an extreme diet or by weight loss surgery, if we remove the very thing that you were using to get by in life, to cope and to kill pain and to escape uncomfortable feelings and to punish yourself for stuff you haven't addressed yet, you know, bottom line is that stuff's all going to come up when you don't have the food. And if you have not built a new set of tools for your toolbox, you know, I mean, food was my main means of coping and food and TV, you know, food, TV and shopping. I mean, whatever it is for people, that was my, that's how I dealt with everything. Happy, sad, mad, angry, frustrated, you know, lonely. It was my panacea for all emotions. So you take away my panacea, what the hell am I going to do with all those emotions? If I don't have new ways of coping with life, if I have not developed new coping skills, I'm doing, I'm losing weight in a vacuum and I will freak out when it gets overwhelming to me and I'll go right back to what I need. So that's why people turn to alcohol when they, when they don't have the room in their stomach anymore to binge, they get, they find other ways, you know, candy's dandy, but liquor is quicker, you know, and liquor, right. And liquor fits in that little pouch. And it numbs the pain. It, it right. lets me escape. You know, it beats me up. So, so that's to me, the, that's the problem with weight loss surgery is it's another fix. It's another, it's a permanent, unfortunately, a very permanent and drastic physical solution for an emotional and spiritual problem. Yes. And I hope the industry that, you know, does promote it because it is, it is a, procedure that can be truly helpful for those but as long as they're getting that proper training um therapy that goes along with it it goes hand in hand and i think part of any addiction part of the the problem with like you said with any addiction is we're not getting to the root of the problem that was that's broke we're we're, we're putting all these band-aids and even maybe a, a medical wrap but we're not actually putting on a cast to actually fix the problem. Yeah. That we, that we're stronger from the mindset, from, from the mind inward to, to reflect outward. And I think, again, it really goes back to making sure that people have that comfortable space to say, it's okay. Life isn't perfect. And I think the, the social media and, and, instant gratification plays such havoc in that perfect world that we're some of us are you know are seeking and understanding that it's okay to screw up it's okay to have faults it's okay to have things that i need to work on but it's not okay if i allow others to dictate my my voice and your voice meaning i need help i need someone to assist me to 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 make me not only accountable accountable is great keep me on track, 
but it's not going to fix the problem if, uh, unless I address what's really going on with me, which may have nothing to do with why I have that particular addiction. And I, you know, it's, it's just really a matter of our society recognizing and really not showing just perfection all the time and knowing that getting help and reaching out to someone that may be a special specialty in that particular field. Like you said, if I really want to train, I run and work well and I want to keep accountable, I'm going to hire a trainer. If I, you know, want to take on decorating my home, well, that's not really my forte. So am I going to get somebody to assist me and say, Hey, what do you envision? This is what I'm thinking of. I need your help. Or the same thing with, food addiction, alcohol, drug addiction, whatever it may be, it has to be a well-rounded thing because most addictions are really just the surface of what we see. We have to get to the root of what the heck is really the problem. Amen. And I love that that's your, your, for, kind of your niche, and I absolutely love that. How would our viewers, I know we're going to put a couple links um, that you could share with any, maybe your social media link, how they can reach you and say, hey, I saw you on Two Sisters, you really touched upon some things that I never thought about. I need your help. Yes. Um, so my website is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And there's a pop-up quiz that's free. It takes about three minutes to take the quiz. And you can literally find out your personalized score of where you are in the spectrum of emotional eating and food addiction. So that's a great place to start. And then you'll get suggestions on how to get started and, and overcoming that um, wherever you are in that spectrum. Um, on Instagram, I'm Trisha Nelson underscore. So um, that's my personal Instagram and I'm posting there every day. And then I invite people to join my uh, private but free Facebook group, which is the secret sauce to end emotional eating. So that group is a great resource. I do my podcasts live in there. I record them live like you guys do. And, um, and lots of posting, lots of support. You know, if people really want to start taking a look at emotional eating and the underlying causes, because that's really what I talk about. Plus my podcast, which is called the Heal Your Hunger Show. I love that. Wow. So much great information. Don't you agree, Jan? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And we definitely, Tricia, we definitely have to have you on again. I just want to let my health coaching friends, because I do have a lot of health coaching friends that love to watch this podcast. You also certify health coaches um, so they can get better results, get referrals and revenue by helping their clients. So I just want to throw that out there for my health coaching friends. If you're interested in connecting with Tricia, she will definitely uh, hook you up. Definitely. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. And it just teaches health coaches like how they can better help their clients because this, this is a gap. You know, you want so much for them to get results. But if they're, you know, you're telling them what to eat and they're eating, you know, cereal and, and cookies at night, <laughs> you know, if they're not going to reach their health goals. You're not going to, you know, have the success you so want to have with them. So um, it makes a big difference to have this training and have this system to be able to share with your clients. Absolutely. You know, we just can't thank you enough for everything you shared with our audience today. It has been inspiring. It has been eye-opening. And I hope our viewers and listeners, and especially the listener or the viewer who needs to hear your message heard it loud and clear in a way that they can absorb 
and really find out where they are. And just another reminder, we definitely will make sure that your information is below this, um, the live video so that they can go to your website and take that, that, um, that test that you, or the quiz that you mentioned to find yeah. where they are in that spectrum. To Thank you so much oh, for so having welcome. me. It's been so such awesome. a pleasure. You're both so inspirational. Thank you for the amazing work that you do in the world and for this beautiful, you know, labor of love of sharing such great information and, and just caring so much about people that you want to just assist them in every way possible. Thank you so much. And 200 episodes. Wow. Yay! That's a lot of chit chat. And I believe <laughs> I mentioned in one of our posts, and I'm not sure. I perhaps it was on my personal page. Well, we have some listeners in Ireland, so I just want to give a big shout out to all our listeners and viewers in Ireland, and to everybody else that you know stops by and can take something from this and be passionate about what what you want in your life to create that ripple effect to help others. On that note. My name is Janice, AKA Wellness Diva, and I'm going with 5.0, and I am with two sisters. And this sister is Carol Sue, AKA Nani Boss, Lady Canna, published author, and we are thrilled and honored to have Trisha on. We will definitely will do a follow-up with her in the near future. And we thank all of you. We thank our listeners and our audience for really giving us that chance, that opportunity to show you always being authentically yes, a little quirky, a little screwy, a little sometimes a little passionate in one direction or another. But the whole point is showing you that you can do what we do as well. And we're here to help you. We want to impact you with all things health, wellness, mindset, what's going on in our world and what's going on with you. Today is trending Thursday. What will you be? What trend will you set? Be the trendsetter. And we will see you tomorrow on Friday, which is Fantabulous Friday. You guys, it's April 1st. Do something funny. I just played a prank on my neighbor. It was hysterical. So I'm challenging you. Do something fun. Enjoy the day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye now. Bye, everyone. Bye.